Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Two Indie Authors Podcast with me, Robert Enright. And me, David B. Lyons. On today's show, independent author innovator Damon Courtney joins us for a very special takeover episode. Uh, not only an acclaimed indie author in his own right, but Damon is also the founder of BookFunnel, an immensely useful platform for everybody in our line of work. Damon is here to talk about the advantages of BookFunnel as our main talking point and will also stick around for the seven questions. Looking forward to it, Rob. But however, we should begin as we always do um, by talking about our week that was. So before we get Damon on for a very uh, special takeover ep, Rob, how has your last seven days been, buddy? Uh, It's been good. It's been quite busy. Um, My little and turned four uh last friday so we had a weekend of family stuff she had a party and then we went to the west end on sunday i took we took her to see frozen the musical wow i bet she was giddy um she was and this is this is a a little sneak peek for people i pay for absolutely everything in my business all my marketing with my amex so i just racked up loads of points so i uh, traded some of those points in for theater coupons so we got three like basically front row tickets they're like a hundred pound each but my voucher was for 250 pounds so for essentially for about 50 pounds we uh we went to see frozen the musical right um like front row so a nice little perk to to running your own yeah. business so yeah definitely um if you're in the position to get a uh a business annex and start racking up those hey, points because hey, you know Rob, you can make Robert, your life a bit easier i don't use an annex uh-huh. i don't use an annex i'm still very much on my uh debit card but i keep hearing about it let's take note asterisks here two minutes into this episode let's uh-huh. have a main talking about point about that or at least a, 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 yeah, an in-depth discussion on some advantages that you might have learned from your accountant or something over the years of running your own independent business. Uh, I have a few myself but I still haven't got around to that but we, we can, we, we'll can we put an asterisk in that and we'll come back we'll, we'll swing back around to that at a later date. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm more than happy to be quite open and honest. Um, I think I put my accountant as my must-use service when I did That's the right. seven questions all, the, all those months ago now yeah. so um happy to talk about that a little bit more um from that side so yeah that's been really busy i've been pretty good getting um my writing sorted I'm, I'm cracking on with jack townsend now um i think like i said in the facebook group it's been a little bit trickier um and i might expand upon that because i had some responses from people saying like if, if you think it's not mundane your writers your readers are going to think it's mundane oh yeah yeah i don't think it's mundane what my issue what my issue is, or the thing that I'm overcoming is with Sam Pope, it's quite over the top. So it's quite easy to reintroduce a character that is this over the top action hero. You know, I can introduce him in a it's, fight it's scene, in a car yeah. chase. Yeah. Whereas this one is set four, maybe five months after the last one. And as it's a bit more grounded, 
there's not really tons I can go into over that five months of what like a 38 year old detective with a family, uh, yeah, you know, reintroduce them to to kind of, and it's not that it's boring. It's just that it's making that flow as easy as you know, uh, you know, a horse racing action scene. Yeah, first few chapters is quite it's quite different. So it's been a, I, like I said, it's been a really good challenge. I one I'm enjoying. I, but, might, if I, if I, and, I might throw my two uh, cents into that, Rob. Actually, I think you'll find so. What? Yeah, it's not that you're finding the writing boring and your readers certainly won't find it boring because you're such a gifted writer. Um, what it is, is you've drawn yourself into a rigid system of writing here because you've made your protagonist a detective, right? So mm-hmm. now you have to work in the boundaries of the law that he has to work in. Your writing, which is why yeah. a novel, you'll find an awful lot of private investigators or rogue cops um, tend to be written about in these series because then you're 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 allowing yourself leeway on, on the rigidity of the system of law. But yeah, absolutely. But yeah, you you, you can you can, you're in control of his character, so he can become a bit rogue, or you know he. You might even want to draw him as, as a straight guy who follows the rules, but then it means that you have to write within the rules. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it, and I think considering I have like ultimate rogue in Sam Post, yes. yeah. um, I kind of need to draw a line to make it different that this guy is. Yeah. And also, um, a key part of it is in the first book is he doubts his ability to be a detective. Right. So for him to go rogue would Wouldn't be yeah, would be so. So it's been a good challenge. It's been a good challenge. Uh, one I'm I'm obviously undertaking at the moment. Great. And the last thing, David, is um, today we are recording this on my thirty seventh birthday. <gasps> wow, that's tough on Sophie. So she has Valentine's and your birthday in the one week, in a couple of days. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's tough and safe that she's married to a 37-year-old man. <laughs> well, then it would be even tougher on Kerry. She's married to a 45-year-old man. Well, happy birthday, Robert. Oh, thank you all. Yeah. Uh, thank you. And as a gift, David, you can tell me what you did with your last seven days. <laughs> well, it's midterm as well, so we have the kids home. Schools aren't in, and that's a little bit difficult for a creative um even if Lola, who's my seven-year-old, is upstairs or, you know, up in the, we have a studio up in, in an attic, converted attic, it's still energy around the house that you don't want when you're trying to be creative and writing. Mm-hmm. So um, not as super productive as I would have liked it to be in terms of getting this novella finished or the first draft of this novella finished. Um, but I've made headway on it, a little bit of headway. I've also We've also been working hard on the Alec Ferguson biopic the treatments that we're drawing around the script that we've already written the script is out with a big script editor at the moment so um, we'll get that back at the end of Feb oh wow and then so we're, we're trying to put a creative together trying to put a booklet together of, you know why this is a great production why it will look good with my production company and and yeah and it sort of it goes slow and then it picks up speed that screenwriting thing and then I had a meeting with them the other day and they're going oh everything's going great we're flying and I'm going yeah yeah I'm excited now we're picking up speed and then in the next sentence they say yeah we've got this big um, fair in October that we want to bring Alex to you know because we think it would re-. and I go October oh, that sounds so far away and uh, funny enough October will bring it to a year since this production company first showed interest in it and there we go there, so that's a year right. of this and 
and it, mm-hmm. inches worth of progress, if you know what I mean. So it's 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 a, it's a really <laughs> tough business. And when I was um, leaving journalism there about six years ago to get my um, to write my first novel or to re- to sort of give my career a renaissance, Lot- Kerry, my wife, wanted me to be a screenwriter. She thought, well, that's where your gift lies. Right. No, I'll, I'll be a novelist. At least I have a chance of selling a novel to a publisher and, you know, you know, making some money from this. Whereas I knew screenwriters was a sluggy job of, you know, writing an episode for Coronation Street and then an episode for Casualty and you might get something now in six months. And I knew I didn't want to try and earn money that way. And I haven't gone about it that way. I, I'm creating my own show that I want to um, get out there. So I'm skipping all the all the hurdles, but it could have been author or screenplay writer and I chose to be an author and it was the right decision Mm -hmm. because it got me where I want to be but yeah making progress in both areas this week but you know sometimes it's a step forward and half a step backwards and you're not sure when or where you're making progress but that's I guess the life of uh, an independent artist Okay, Rob, it is time for the main talking point, and we have a fantastic guest lined up for our listeners. You might want to raise the volume on your iPhone for this one. Um, so, Rob, you and I have our famous, by now, famous seven questions, right? We, we like to think they're brilliant, but that's, we came up with them. So, you know, it's a little bit of a biased view, but inside those seven questions, we ask our uh, independent authors, what is the fav- what is their favourite service they use in independent author? Now, BookFunnel comes up time and time again as an answer to that. And Rob, you have raised BookFunnel numerous times through the year and a half or so we've been doing the podcast. So it's a pleasure for us to get on independent author innovator, Damon Courtney, onto the show. Damon, thank you so much for giving us your time today. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Um, I have... Uh, I, you know, we talk to authors a lot. And of course, you know, when I'm asking what's your favorite service, you're standing in front of the person who created it. And that you probably say, oh, well, this book funnel, you're probably <laughs> lying just a little bit, but it still feels good, you know? <laughs> no, no, we're not. Um, I, I think you'll find, Damon, at some point over this podcast, at least a couple of times, I think I've said that. Being an independent author, there's always, you know, something that comes out of the woodwork that you're not quite prepared for, or you have to pivot and deal with an issue. And I have said multiple times that in my opinion, book funnel is the kind of definition of someone noticing a gap in a process and coming up with the solution first time. And I've often said yeah. I'm envious that you've just d- created book funnel in a way because i was like it's just the perfect service for what it needs to do that's my opinion that's why i heavily endorse it and i've been using it for yeah, years the opinion of thousands um, of authors as well so yeah. I'm, I'm yeah i'm very excited to have you on um but for the sake of our listeners and there might be we, we've got listeners who like i said they're so far down the journey way beyond us or they're just starting out for those who don't know what book funnel is or or how it works could you kind of just describe to them what it is and what it, what it provides as a service. Sure. So when I built Book Funnel, which I built because I had published, so I had self-published a, a fantasy trilogy, which I read 
that that's my epic fantasy wizards and elves and dragons and that's that's my jam right yeah um and so i i had self-published a fantasy trilogy and i um i, I was starting to build a, a newsletter right i was trying to get people onto my newsletter and and the the prevailing wisdom at the time which is honestly still the advice that most of those authors are out there giving today was that oh well you you know give them a free thing a short story a novella something that that to just say hey thank you for getting on my list um, and I thought, oh, okay, that's, I can do that. Right. You know, I'd, I'd built the list. I'd gone like everybody in, uh, you know, back in 2013, I'd gone to MailChimp, uh, and set up a list. It was like, okay, got that working. Uh, and then it was, okay, now I'm, I'm going to go write a reader magnet and I'm going to write a 2000 word short story. And instead I wrote a 25,000 word novella because I'm a fantasy author and that's what we do. Yeah. And, uh, and then when I was done with it, I was like, okay, now I'm going to give this, I, I want to give this thing away. I, I just get, get to give it away as a thank you. How do I do that? So I signed up for everybody's mailing list at the time. Joanna Penn, Mark Dawson, Joe Conrath, Hugh Howie, like all of these people, everybody was doing the same thing. And I signed up for all their lists and they all did the same thing. They just emailed me um, an EPUB and a Mobi and sometimes a PDF. And and I, you know, I'm a techie guy. I thought, OK, that's no problem. I can send that to my Kindle, which is what I read on at the time. But I started thinking, like, man, I don't. I don't know that everybody can figure this out. It's it's not an easy thing to do all the time. Um, and so I started looking into, is there a better way to do this? So to your question, what does BookFunnel do? BookFunnel delivers, we started with eBooks, now we do audiobooks as well. So it's it we kind of run the gamut, but um, BookFunnel delivers digital content, eBooks, audiobooks, PDFs to directly to readers regardless of their device and so we do this outside of all of the traditional store systems right so if you you know if you sell your book on amazon amazon is going to take care of getting that digital content into the reader's hands be it on a kindle reading a device or a kindle app on your iphone like you don't have to think about it that's not anything anybody ever thinks about except that amazon charges us a fee per megabyte so we think about that but um when it came to like, oh, well, I, I just, you know, I would like to gift a copy of my book uh, to a friend. You can't really do that. Amazon will let you sort of gift things, but they don't really, you're not gifting a copy of the ebook. You're giving them like a gift card that's the equivalent of the cost of the ebook. But technically, they can go take that gift card and just you know, buy peanuts with it if they want to. And so like they're, they're really, this, this thing does, didn't exist. So BookFunnel started as just a way to deliver my reader magnet. And I will say that is still the primary use for most authors that are signing up to BookFunnel today. They, they're building a newsletter, they've got a reader magnet and they want to, uh, they want to send it out into the world. And we do that. The great thing about the way that BookFunnel works is if I buy a book on Amazon, I have to read it. I have to go read it in Amazon's ecosystem. So if I'm a reader, for example, who has a Kobo reader, I don't want books from Amazon. I want books from Kobo or at the very least, I want books that I can read on my Kobo comfortably and easily. So BookFunnel, what we yeah. like to say is platform agnostic. I don't care what device you have in your hand. We can get a book to it. Um, we can. And now, of course, we do audiobooks, And so we've we've pushed into that arena as well. Um, the funny thing oh, is, wow. you know, you were talking about how you were talking about how, um, you know, book, when I talk about how BookFunnel came into existence and, you know, I needed what it did. And so I started building it. Um, I actually had published I had the idea when I had published the second book of my trilogy. 
Um, and my wife would be fond of telling you that I, I can be a little flighty. And so when I have this great idea, I drop the thing, like all writers was like, the next book is the best book ever. And the one you're currently working on is terrible. And you probably should just throw that away and start working on the next one, except that you just keep doing that. And you never finish anything. So I, you know, have a tendency to not finish anything. So I, I had this idea, but I had made my promise. I'd made myself a promise that when I published the first book of my fantasy trilogy, that I had to see it through to the end. Um, this was back in 2011 when it was really common to find a self-published author, fall in love and find out they never published another book ever again. And and that was just like so frustrating reader uh, as a lifelong reader, like to know that I was never going to get the end of that story. Hey, like Netflix, right? We're just like season one, never again. Now that. Um, and so I, I had the second book published. I had this this what I thought was a good idea because that was when I started to build my mailing list. Uh, but I had to, I'd made the promise to myself and then my wife reinforced it and said, no, you have to finish, publish the third book before you like move on to this next idea. So I did, I published the third book, which again, I'm very proud of the, the, the trilogy that I published. I've gone back and read it since. And I was like, you know what? That's not terrible. That's not terrible. Um, I didn't know how to mark. And then that was the, that was the hard part at the time. The publishing part was easy, but nobody had really, we were all still working. This is in 2013. So for those of you who are just getting into this now, you don't know what it was like in the dark days. Uh, like oh, we had keyboards.com was the only place you could get information. Um, and so the funny part was that I had started building book funnel and it took about a year to build the, the, the initial alpha release. And the whole time that I was building it, it, it seems now, almost a decade later, what a, what a great idea it was. Um, but at the time, I was building it, and I was, I was so worried that somebody was going to beat me to the punch, right? Somebody else yeah. was going to see this great idea, and they were going to beat me to the punch. And then I had it ready to go, and no one had beat me to the punch. So then you start going, is this a terrible idea? Why didn't anybody have the idea? Right? Like, like the old, like the old Simpsons joke, you know, and, and Homer says, you know, I'm a white male age 18 to 45. Everyone listens to me. And he opens up a can of nuts and gum together at last. And you're like, is this actually a terrible idea? Cause it seems like if it were a great idea, somebody would have already done it. Um, but we did launch book funnel and it, it really did. It solved a problem that right out of the gate. I mean, we had people signing up almost instantly because they immediately, oh, wow. if you were already if you were already building a newsletter and you were already giving out a reader magnet, you immediately knew why we existed and what it was we were offering to do. And so that was really kind of gratifying after spending a year of my nights, you know, after putting the kids to bed, just hammering away on code and trying to make something that worked. Great. So are, are we are we coming up? Is this the 10th year of BookFunnel, Damon? Eight. We just passed eight. Oh, so uh, we launched in October. And um, this, we just passed in 2023. We passed the eighth ah. year. We started in, in October of 2015. Almost 2015. So, I mean, almost a decade. Wow, now. it's incredible. And do you know how many authors have signed up for BookFunnel now? You have that data, I assume? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, over the top. I mean, so so people, you know, people tend to use their accounts in, in different ways. Yeah. I did do a uh, I did a, a query like technical. I did a query. But um, I looked the other day because we were actually uh, talking in the company about metrics. And so as we passed our eighth year, I was curious. I went back and looked at the first thousand 
customers who'd signed up for BookFunnels. So this would have been in 2015 because we reached, I think we reached a thousand paying customers, which we, we don't have a free account. We have a really, really inexpensive first time author account that anybody can use. It's $20 a year, mm -hmm. but we've never had a free account. I, I generally don't like having people using free services when it actually, you know, it, it does cost something to support all of those people. But um, yeah. I went back. And so the first thousand customers we added before December of 2015 and over 930 something still have an active wow, account. That's Meaning great. like the first, thousand, of the first thousand customers that sign up for BookFunnel, we have an over 90% retention rate Correct. of those authors still actively using their BookFunnel account. Because um, people kind of come in and turn it on and off when they need it sometimes. And and we make that really easy. You can actually just suspend your account and then come back a few months later and everything will just be right where you left it. And you can kind of pick up where you left that's off. That's a huge number. That's I mean, that's, that's a number to be hugely proud of. If I had 93% read through to book two in my series, I'd be really rich. <laughs> we all would love that number, right? 93 <laughs> My Lord. But I think what it does, what, that, uh, what it does, David, is it? Yeah, it, it shows it shows how key the the platform is to these independent authors. Now, like you said earlier, a lot of people would just use it to deliver um, a reader magnet, and that's that's the primary use that I use it for. It's it's, mm. it's a key part of my mailing list. Part of my whole system is I have two prequel novellas to my thirteen book series. Yeah. that flesh out things that are mentioned in the series like his past as a soldier you can have them for free if you download yeah if you sign up to my mailing list and um, book funnel allows that automatic email to have the link in it and people can download the book and i think it's great um a really good point and this is a probably a good one for david because i'm going to call david out here because he doesn't use book funnel because he doesn't have a reader magnet however <laughs> david's just gone David's just gone wide with his books. And like mm -hmm. you were saying, this is actually such a great concept is that you are agnostic across the systems because the EPUB file, so if you then use it, say, in conjunction with a system like Vellum, where you can get the links in the back of the books and all mm -hmm. that jazz, you actually provide a platform for a wide author like David to actually sort of sell direct because... You actually don't need to use these platforms if you could get people to buy it direct from you as the author because you then offer the ability to sell the book to them to, for them to be able to get that book onto their um, digital platform without, like you said, all the techie stuff that you used to have to do. Right. So that was, you know, it's, it's, I think that book funnels continued success because we have, we're, we grow, we're growing every year, um, both as, as, you know, employees, we, we hired three new people last year because we were, we were getting overloaded, right? Our, our, the amount of authors that were signing up was becoming harder for us to handle. Uh, my wife, Julie, and I run the company together. We're still, we're still a very small company. And, and I feel like we, we, we really punch above our weight for the size of our company because you know when i go to conferences i go to author nation i go to nink i go to these big conferences people think book funnel is book funnel like this big massive thing and i'm like no i'm i'm sitting in my office you can see my you know my pillow and my chair and you'd see my dog wandering around if you weren't locked upstairs like we're still a really small company and and we like to keep it that way but um, when we started, the reader magnet thing was just like, oh, we're going to solve this one problem. And it, and it really was like like any good 
software product. It is solving the problem that I needed to solve at the time. And that was good enough for me to start with. But but very, I mean, within a week, we started getting feature requests, right? If you put any software out into the world, this is going to happen. Um, and it's a good problem. It means that people are using your product. They really like it and they want you to do more. And so uh, things like delivering ARCs, advanced reader copies, um, it, um, we've added so many features in the last eight years. But you talk about direct sales that we launched direct sales delivery in 2017 um, after everybody authors wouldn't stop bothering me about it. Um, and I, I will admit that at the time, I did not think that was going to be a great feature. I, I, I mean, I knew we would build a great feature, but I thought nobody's going to buy from your store, right? That's that's people don't care about that sort of stuff. This was really before Kickstarter and other things had sort of boiled the frog of readers and teaching them that like, hey, authors are actually out here, especially indies are out here doing some really innovative things, right? It's not just put your book in a store and wait for people to come to you and, and find you, right? Indies were out there pushing readers towards these new platforms and towards this new sort of world. It really took off when um, at toward the end of COVID, right? So COVID hit. And a lot of author sales really kind of elevated. People were stuck at home and they're like, hey, you know what? I haven't read a book. At least Americans were like, I haven't read a book in years. Maybe I could start reading again. Um, and then the people that were readers were suddenly like, oh, I have more free time. I'm going to spend a little bit more time reading. But then towards the end of COVID, as that started to trail off and people started going back to work, um, authors saw their incomes dip. Uh, and, and then, you know, rules start changing. Platforms are going to change things all the time and, and they will always change for their better, rarely for yours, right? I'm not going to mention any names, but we've all dealt with the platforms changing rules or, or, or changing these around or sometimes even changing pricing and things like that. And suddenly those authors, I, I think, I mean, COVID scared the bejesus out of all of us because we didn't think something that huge could happen and, and completely disrupt everything we knew about in the world. And so here come the indies, though, and they're like, well, I mean, I'm indie. I've I got my books. I can do anything I want to do with them. Why not just try selling them myself? And the, the beautiful part is, is that if you already have a following, like, you know, if you are a new author setting this up, I, I really don't recommend you start selling direct. Um, it's, it's a, it's a process to set up. It's not a difficult process, but once you're set up, if you don't already have a fan base who just really love your stuff, it's going to be a hard road to hoe to get people over to your store. You're much more likely to get people to find you on Kobo or Amazon or Google play or Barnes and Noble, or, or if you're in Kindle unlimited to find you over there. But the goal of course, is to, to take those readers and start building a fandom, right? Cause fans are that are going to reward you in other ways. And once you've done that, it, whether even if it's small, you can have a small fandom and still build a really great following. And those people will come and buy, buy direct, right? Like everybody remembers uh, Brandon Sanderson's big blowout Kickstarter that earned like $42 million. And we're not Brandon Sanderson, but like I have seen so many amazing Kickstarters that have launched in the last couple of years because this is becoming... Um, and, and really the way that authors are using Kickstarter now is unlike we did back in the day. I remember backing Kickstarter from authors in 2011, 2012, where it really was, I've written this book. 
I, I need money to get a cover and an editor. I need like $3,000 to get this book out the door. You know, can anybody help me? And now authors are like, no, the book's done. I've got the cover. I've, it's already edited. It's ready to go. I'm, I'm really just offering you the opportunity to buy it early from me if you want to buy it before I publish it everywhere else. What I love about that is most of the Kickstarters that I talk about when I when I give a talk or we, we you know, point out examples most of those Kickstarters all funded uh, way above what they were asking for. And all of them did it with just a few hundred readers. It, it is not, we've all heard of the thousand true fans, right? The theory of the thousand, which, which says that, you know, if you can get a thousand fans to pay you a hundred, the equivalent of a hundred dollars a year um, through whatever merchandising book sales, however you're doing it, we're authors. So we're selling books mostly that at the end of the year, you make $100,000. And that's in in almost all parts of, parts of the world, that's a pretty decent living. Um, but you look at these Kickstarters and, and uh, you know, some of these examples out there, if you just go and search for uh, on Kickstarter for authors like Kevin J. Anderson or Britt Andrews, um, you'll find that they reached levels of like $30,000, $40,000 on their Kickstarters. And they did it with four or 500 people. We're not even talking about a thousand fans to reach that level. Like that's, Traditional publishing doesn't even pay um, advances at that level anymore, right? As a new author, you would be lucky to get like a $5,000 advance. That's like two months of groceries, right? Um, so like uh, indie authors are really pushing into this world. And if you have fans that are willing to, to back you on Kickstarter, that is selling direct, right? You're, you're, you're doing it through Kickstarter. People think selling direct is like, I'm going to go build this huge bookstore and you can do that, right? Like if you have a big enough backlist, it's not a bad thing. And, you, and you're wide, it's not a bad thing to look into, but if you're not try kickstarting your next book. And, and if you already have a fan base that's built up, you will fund, it will fund, it will be successful. You're doing that on the backs of your fans, but the more that you can build up that apparatus, the more that you boil the frog and get readers used to the idea that you're buying directly from the author. Most of the readers that we hear from, that is what they want, right? You, you absolutely have readers who are loyal to their platform, meaning like I only read books in Kindle Unlimited. And if you're not in Kindle Unlimited, you don't exist to me. Sure, that exists. It, 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 you know, I watch Netflix. I pay for Netflix. I don't pay for Amazon Prime. So if your show's not on Netflix, I'm not going to see it, right? Yeah. There are those people, but there are far more people who love the authors that they love and will follow them wherever they go. And so I, yes. I have authors that I've read since I was 13 years old. I still read all of their books today, right? Like, oh, if they got a new book out, I'm buying it. It's, it's, uh, I don't care where they sell it. If they, they're all traditional. So yeah. 13, when I was 13, none of that stuff existed. <laughs> but if, if they sold today from their website, Brandon Sanderson put up his Kickstarter, you bet your butt, I backed it. I backed it all the way to the, I am a Brandon Sanderson super fan. I will buy Brandon's books wherever he wants to sell them. Yeah, it's fascinating. It really is. It seems like the word independent in independent author is becoming more capitalized and bold. We definitely can be more independent and we don't have to rely on. I mean, I've I've built a business on two platforms, Amazon and Facebook. That's it. I run mm -hmm. Facebook ads to Amazon and sell books. Um, so it's fascinating that it, we're branching out that way and the book funnel is going to be ahead of the curve as it always has been through this independent author business. Um, but you said, you mentioned earlier on that for the most part, authors use book funnel to, um, you know, funnel that magnet, the free magnet that they have, a free book that they might have. And uh, I think that's probably about nearly 80% or so, is it, of, of people, authors use book funnels for that reason. Um, 
what are, what are, what are the other services that BookFunnel offer to independent authors? So this is like this is a problem that we have. When when I first launched BookFunnel, we did one thing. And so it was really easy. If you were signing up for BookFunnel, I knew why you were signing up. And now what happens is um, we get, uh, as new authors come into the platform, I don't really know why you're here. Some of them are here because somebody said they like BookFunnel and you should get BookFunnel. And then they literally email us and go, well, I have a BookFunnel now. Um, what do you do? Why am, why am I here? <laughs> uh, generally speaking. Most people are coming in because they they so they want to set up their reader magnet. That's that's a big still a big use more and more in the last few years. It is I want to set up direct sales. I, I'm starting I'm building out my bookstore or I've set up my I've, what's funny is, is like I funded my first Kickstarter and now I have to deliver five ebooks. Somebody said you do that. Right. They didn't even have a plan for how they were going to do that. Kickstarter funded. Um, so we do all of that sort of delivery. Uh, advanced reader copies is actually a, a huge feature. We have a we built a feature called Certified Mail that allows author to send out advanced copies to their readers and then be able to track who's downloading their copies, who's reading their copies so that I can know that my art team is actually doing their job. Um, the, you know, oh, wow. the, yeah, the number of features that we've built over the years, um, we, we had a moment about five years ago where we, we kind of realized that um, if we really wanted to do this and, and do all the things that we wanted to do in the future, we were going to need to build a little bit more of our own platform. We, we're always we're very, very author centric. Right. But we have millions and millions of readers that come through BookFunnel every month. And so we actually put out our own app for, for iOS and Android. And we started to build on that because there were features that we could build like audiobooks that couldn't exist without our own app, right? Ebooks, BookFunnel was built on the concept of taking the ebook and getting it to wherever the reader was already reading. So if you had a Kindle, great, we're going to get it to your Kindle. If you read on Kobo, we're going to get it to your Kobo. And as a reader, I, I built that because I loved that. I already had a Kindle. I eventually switched to a Kobo and now I read everything on my phone. But like the process was the same, right? And, and actually, as I switched devices, all of my book funnel books just went with me because it didn't matter which platform I happened to read on. All of my book funnel books are just going to go. So but when we first started and it's still our primary thing today, when we deliver, we don't expect that you're going to read in our platform. We expect that you're going to put it to Kindle or Kobo or your Nook or however you prefer to read. That said, we have millions of readers who've installed our app and now just read in our app. Audiobooks was a different beast. You you can't sideload an audiobook. Like you can't just like download an audiobook and tuck it into to your Audible app. That's not a thing that exists, right? And so we knew if we were going to ever want to build audiobooks, which I will tell you, we launched when we launched in 2015. The first feature request we got within the week of launching was direct sales, and we said, guys, we just got here. We we barely launched, you know, download. Uh, the second feature request we got was audiobooks. I'm like, we just figured out ebooks and it took a year. <laughs> um, so we did launch audiobooks in beta um, back in, I guess it's been 2020 now. Uh, and so it's been out there and and we have thousands of authors that are using it and, and uh, hundreds of thousands of readers that are coming through our system. I think it took off with direct sales, you know, like the auto audiobooks launched, but then it launched even higher as more part, people started getting into direct sales because Audible takes such a huge cut of authors' profits on those audiobooks that authors were like, this is ridiculous. And and you know, to your to what you were saying, David, it really is kind of indies going closer to their roots and becoming more indie. Because you can build um, you know, if you build your reputation on Amazon, if you if you sign up for Kindle Unlimited, all your books are in Kindle Unlimited, and then when you decide to go wide, 
you have to build an entirely new apparatus, right? You've you've, you've uh-huh. taught readers this is where they can find you. And now you're saying, well, no, you can't find me any there anymore. Now you can find me in all these other places. But it's a it it you you have to kind of build it back up again. The beauty about selling direct is you might build your store on Shopify and and that's a great yeah. platform. And then one day Shopify changes the rules or does something or raises their prices and you go, I don't want to use Shopify anymore. I want to move all my stuff over to Payhip or I'm going to build my own website. But if you've taught your readers to go to davidlyons.com to buy their to buy your books, then it doesn't matter where davidlyons.com goes. You can just buy your books from me. And, you know, to, to toot my own horn a little bit, if you are using BookFunnel deliver, for delivery, and there's absolutely people out there that are doing direct sales that are not using BookFunnel for delivery. Um, it sort of goes back to that same old day, the the old days where you're just kind of handing them an EPUB and, you know, hoping, you know, thoughts and prayers, and hopefully you'll get the book to your Kindle. And if not, I'm going to have to do the tech support for that. You know, we tell people that you can sign up and do direct sales with BookFunnel right now for $20 a year, and BookFunnel will handle all of your support 365 days a year. If your readers have any trouble, that's our job. We we will help them get it to whatever the device they're on. So I really don't see why you wouldn't do that when it's only $20, but some people do things their, their own way. The beauty is if you are using our platform, then it really doesn't matter where you sell the book, whether it's on Kickstarter or you've set up a Patreon and you have subscriptions or you have a Shopify store, every book you deliver to your readers goes to their book funnel library and then they can send it to their Kindle. They can read it in the book funnel app. They can they can enjoy that book any way that they want. But when they go log into their book funnel app or their to mybookfunnel.com and log into their library, doesn't matter where they got their books. They're all right there, um, which creates really cool network effect where every author out there using book funnel it doesn't it I, readers are learning that they can buy from davidlyons.com from robinwright.com and no matter where i buy them from they all funnel into the same place so readers get the amazon experience of having all of their books in one place and all of their books where they know they can find them but it doesn't matter where they buy them from so indies can spread out and and kind of go wherever they want to go and their readers are always going to be able to get their books Wow, it's phenomenal um, the amount of features that BookFunnel actually has. Um, could you call me off there with um, the uh, sending books out to ARC readers? Yeah. So for any of us who don't know, that's advanced review uh, copies. So people who get the book before I launch it so they can maybe leave me a review on launch day, pick up a yeah. few mistakes. I call it my brain trust. I think, David, you've got like an advanced team or street team or something like yeah. that. But um, one of the issues I've had is I've actually lost a little bit of faith in my in my brain trust because I was struggling. So what I do is I, I set up a book download on BookFunnel, but just a normal book download like I would my reader magnet. And I put that link in an email in my MailerLite uh, group. That is my brain trust. And I send them an email. And I can see how many have downloaded. But I have to then try and go into MailerLite to see who's opened the email, who's clicked the email, because I've got 60 people in this advanced team and only 25 have downloaded it. So I need to know who do I need to scrap. And what you're saying to me is actually BookFunnel can pretty much do that for me. Tell me who is being a good person in my street team and who I could probably cut out because maybe they're just there for free books, but they're not doing any benefit to me. Yeah, and that's a feature so, I didn't really know about. 
Yeah, certified mail. It's, it's, so the way certified mail works is you give BookFunnel the list of that sixty, the sixty email addresses that are on your your uh, brain trust. BookFunnel emails each one of them an individual private link that is just for them. Um, two reasons. Number one, it, it, it ensures that only they can use that link to get their copy. Um, it watermarks the files, which some people are, are into and they're not. Generally, when you're talking about ARCs, authors are a little um, nervous about piracy because this is your new book that's not even out there in the world yet. And so BookFunnel will watermark it with their email address. And you can even put a, uh, a what they call social DRM, which is basically just a little tag in the book that says this book was prepared for, you know, Damon at BookFunnel.com. A, a little bit of a like, don't you share it? We, we got your name on it. Right? It's got, <laughs> um, and, and then it tracks all of those people. So there's two things. One, yeah. have they viewed the link so we can track, I, I can't track the email. <laughs> Right. The open rates and emails are really squirrely and not a very great metric. But what I can track is that person, Damon clicked on his link. And so he viewed the, the campaign, but he hasn't downloaded his copy yet. Or he did download his copy. Oh, yep, I can see it right there. I can see that he downloaded his copy. Um, and then we launched a feature just a few years ago called restricted delivery that some authors like to use when they are sending out their arcs. And what that says is I want to send out this book. But I don't want readers to download it and read it anywhere. I want them to read it in the BookFunnel platform, meaning that that I don't want them to get an EPUB that they could yeah. potentially then share with other people. They need to read it within BookFunnel. The, the, the combination of that is that if you are using certified mail and your, your ebook delivery is restricted, now I will say you're going to upset some readers who really want to read it on their Kindle. And now you're saying, no, you can't do that. Um, readers tend to be a little more understanding when it's an arc because you're on my team. I'm, I'm already giving you the free book. I'm, I'm just asking you to kind of follow these rules a little bit because I'm, I'm worried that my book might end up out there in the world before it's published. But one of the other cool features is if right. you combine certified mail with a restricted ebook delivery, we not only tell you who viewed it, who downloaded it, we tell you what percentage of the of the way through the book they are. So you can actually track your readers as they're they're going through it. It's not a privacy concern. We don't like, we don't tell you like where they are individually. It just sort of gives you an idea of who on your street team, on your arc team is really on it. Like they receive my arc and boom, they start reading it like within a day. And then other people are like, eh, you know, I get around to that. You know, I'll get around to that next week. And and it, it doesn't mean that, you know, those people are bad people. Yeah. We're all busy people. Um, but it is yeah. kind of cool to be like, oh, that guy or that girl they always read as soon as they get the arc. That is a super fan. That's not just an arc reader. That is somebody who absolutely is champing at the bit to get your new books when they come out. Those are the people that you definitely want to court and say, I would love for you to leave a review. Uh, and you might even follow up with them and say, hey, hey, I can see you finished reading the book. What did you think? I would love your opinion. And by the way, also go leave a review on, on release day. <laughs> Um, I, I, um, like I said, I usually just send a link out and I, I put a deadline on the link because I, I make sure the link expires before the book's out. Yeah. So if you miss out on your, on your advanced copy, you're going to have to buy it. And I get people who have emailed me saying like, I can't download the book. And I was like, it doesn't it's expired. been out for two weeks. Yeah, it's right. expired. There was a, there was a time frame for you to get an advanced copy of the book. And that time mm -hmm. has now passed. Um, before, um, we, we kind of wrap this up, Damon, and, and talk about how authors can kind of get started and get to grips with uh, BookFunnel. Um, one thing we haven't really spoken about, um, and it was a feature I used a lot at the beginning of my author journey, um, 
and that's was using BookFunnel to build mailing lists. Mm-hmm. Um, and we haven't really spoken. We've we've mentioned mailing lists and how I've used BookFunnel and how many authors use BookFunnel in the mailing lists. Um, but it's something we get asked a lot in our Facebook group and a lot of indie authors starting out. Yeah, you know, like the number one priority is how do I start a mailing list? Right. What are the features on BookFunnel to 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 help build that? So we, you know, book delivery, ebook and audio delivery is is our primary focus. It's it's what we do really really well. But over the years, yeah, it's like I'm I'm delivering my reader magnet. I built my mail. I I started a mailing list, but how do I find readers? Um, so really early on, we built a feature called group promos that allows. So BookFunnel doesn't actually. We do run our own promos now. We we have team members that will run promos in every in genres throughout the month that you can join in. But if you sign up for a BookFunnel account today, you go jump over to group promos. What you're doing is you're looking for promos in your genre. So let's just say you write military science fiction. So you jump over and you jump over to the science fiction board, and and there are probably. 200 group promos that are promoting in science that are that are recruiting in in um science fiction right now so you find a really great military sci-fi promo it's got 20 other authors and they all write military science fiction so you join in and and the way it works is just um i will send this promo to my mailing list even if i don't have one if it's just zero when you're starting out um you can join in those promos they're very very friendly to new authors you join in as a new author and then you know the deal generally is like i'm going to send the the promo to i'm going to announce the promo to my mailing list for the two weeks that it's running um you're going to announce it to yours they're going to announce it to them and then all 20 of us are going to announce it and and each one of us has a different list. There may be some some crossover where some readers are on multiple lists, but really you're going to get your book in front of a new readers who've never heard of you before. And more importantly, you're going to get them in front of the right readers, which are number mm-hmm. one, readers who read military sci-fi. Guess what? They're on that author's list because they read military science fiction. So they're already the kind of reader who is predisposed to liking your book. Um, and two, they're the kind of reader that likes to get on author's mailing lists, reads emails and clicks links in emails. Right. All of those things have to be true for them to sign up to get your reader magnet and join up for your list. So you already know that you're you're kind of positioning your book in front of the right people. And, and that's we've had that feature for years. And you really can just go through and every month, find a promo or two that you want to join in with. And you can if you're really just getting started, you can build a list very quickly of readers who like exactly what you're writing. And I would encourage authors, if, you, if you're going to try this out, um, you really should kind of niche down as much as you possibly can. So if you write, you know, because you'll see a big promo for just like all science fiction. And that's great. There might be hundreds of authors that join in that promo, but you're much better targeting 20 military science fiction authors or space opera, if that's what you write, um, because those readers are the exact readers that you're looking for. And and sure, like there are people that read hard science fiction who also enjoy a nice little flighty space opera or whatever. But, you know, when you're joining in with those promos, finding the sort of smaller niches, not too don't don't you know if you write military sci-fi that you know with alien invasion uh on planet earth but only if they settle in volcanoes maybe you've narrowed it down a little too fast. <laughs> but look for the right readers that are working with you that 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 read what you read and then um we have a second feature called author swaps which is is really just like group promos but it's one-on-one and so there what you're going to find is you're going to find a lot bigger authors that have that, that have more readers that don't necessarily want to do these big blowout group promos they want to find individual authors that but again write 
what you write. And so I know that my readers are going to like yeah. my recommendation. So when I send to my list and say, hey, I'm, I'm you know, this I, I've, I've looked at this book. I've read the first few chapters. It looks amazing. I think you guys would really like it. It's a lot like my writing. I'm it's a little more personal. And so, you know, uh, you, you can get a lot of different readers from that. But again, it's all about getting your book in front of the readers who are already going to, you know, they're at least they're at least in your genre. If your cover's good, your title's good, they're probably going to pick up a copy because every reader I know is always looking for the next book that they're going to read. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's hopefully for our listeners that's going to blow their mind and kind of really open them up to think, you know, if they're sitting there thinking, I want to build this mailing list, I have no idea where to go. I've got a couple of books. I've got my reader magnet. Um, yeah, they could come to Book Funnel. And I think, like you said, it's like $20 a year and it gives them the ability to basically do all that stuff that, you know, we champion all the time. Um, you know, David and I are fortunate enough to have been doing this for a living for a while now. Um but, you know, building that mailing list and especially delivering what you're promising people. So if you're saying sign up and here you get this free book, yeah. um, I've had people who then haven't been able to get it because it's, you know, it's on them. It's not on my, it's not on book funnel. They haven't been able to figure out. Someone thought I was actually going to send them a book um, yeah. and that's them misunderstanding it. But um, for our um, listeners who are, you know, at that point and want to kind of connect these dots, I would heavily endorse uh, Book Funnel because it's been, um, you know, essential to me. Um, I can't speak on David's behalf because, like, yeah, you know, I called him out earlier. He doesn't use it. Mm. Um, but yeah, from everything you said, David, that should be a massive endorsement as well. So, for our listeners, um, before we wrap up and then you know, grab you for the seven questions, how can um, any of our listeners who want to start um, doing this, how can they go about it? bookfunnel.com um we, we try to keep it really easy um check it out it's it's really it's really inexpensive to start we we started like i said we started in 2015 we've never raised our prices um it's always been the same because i i believe that that authors you know that this stuff is important don't you know i released my fantasy trilogy and and then decided maybe i should learn about marketing and mailing lists this stuff don't do what damon did right um start learning this stuff early because you you really can learn it a piece at a time you you don't have to um the biggest problem that authors have today is when i've published my first book in 2011 none of us knew what we were doing and so we were just kind of putting it out there and then sharing like hey i tried this and it worked i set my book free for a day and i got 50,000 downloads which doesn't happen anymore but like um there was so much information uh, there was it was a dearth of information initially, but then as as authors started to figure this stuff out, we all shared it. You know, I, I just got back from a, um, the Superstars writing seminars in in Colorado, and uh, which is one of the conferences that I go to every year. And the thing that I love about this community is that this is. Um, you sometimes have them, but very rarely do you meet people who are not willing to share what they've learned because this is not a a business where we are all eating each other, right? If I open up a restaurant and you open up one next door, um, we're not going to share information because if they go eat at your restaurant, they're not eating at my restaurant. Readers don't work that way. If they read your book and they liked it and you say that you might like my book, they're going to go read my book. And so we can all share in this information. Uh, and so I, when I built Book Funnel, I wanted to make sure that no matter what, it was always accessible 
to new authors. I mean, you really can sign up for $20 a year. If you want to bump up, our next level account is $10 a month. Try it for a couple of months and see if it works for you. And some of you may find that it doesn't or that you don't use the tools. You don't need the. You're not ready for the tools that we have. You know, if it's your first book, maybe you don't send out arcs. You probably don't have an arc team that you can send to. But, you know, you can give us a try really, really inexpensively. And I encourage you to do that. If you don't like it, we always refund everybody's money. It's it's just not a thing for us. So, well, Damon, we, we could chat about this all day, and, and thank you so much for joining us and opening up about the journey of BookFunnel and the incredible software you developed. But before we let you go, do you fancy sticking around to tackle our seven question? Absolutely, yeah. All right, let's get to it then. To Right, so seven questions time, and Damon, this might be a trip down memory lane for you. Was it was it thirteen years you said since you published your first books? Two thousand eleven was the first novel. Yeah, they look incredible. Uh, perfect branding for the fantasy genre. Uh, really looks good. It's, it's exactly what those readers are looking for. Now, although you're not as busy in the self publishing space um, of your business, can you tell us? Uh, question one asks, what is your favorite thing about being an independent author? Oh, I, I don't think I ever would have published if indie publishing hadn't come along. Um, the first book that I read, uh, you know, when I, when I got my Kindle, uh, which was in 2010, Christmas 2010, my wife got it for me and was sure that I was going to spend all of our money reading books. And she wasn't entirely wrong. Um, I, I, I read a book that had been on my to be read pile for, uh, from a traditional author that I still love today. Um, and you know, I, but back then, I mean, I think still today it was like $15 for the ebook. And so this is where my wife thought I was for sure going to just blow all our money, but I finished reading that book and, and you just kind of happened to be shopping around and I, I found, a a, a a fantasy book that had, you know, cool swords on the cover and it looked really cool. And it was $3, $3. Like, holy crap, like that's back as a kid, like the little kid in me that only had six dollars and would go to the Walden books and would like pour over the paperbacks for hours before picking that one book because I only had six dollars to spend was just blown away that I could find a book that was three dollars. And and I read that book. It turned out to be a fantastic book. I'm, I'm a super fan of that author today. And uh, I got to the end and the author's note was like, thank you. And so I'm like, it, it, it like made very clear that he had done this himself. And I was like, holy crap, you can just like put books out there. That's a thing. Um, and so like the thing I love about being indie and, and even as an independent software developer is if I have an idea and I think it's a good idea, I don't need someone's permission. I don't need someone to tell me it's a good idea. I can try it. I can put it out there in the world and I can say, um, I'm going to try this and I'm going to see if it works. And, and it may not follow. Right. Readers may go, that's a terrible idea. You should not have done that. But I can try that and I don't need someone else telling me no that I can't, right? There's there's so many rules that everybody has. You're like, oh, you can't, you know, fantasy needs to be 180 billion words a book or nobody's going to read it, right? That's not true, right? My first fantasy novel was 50,000 words and people read it. People liked it. Um, I, so that's like, number one, I love being indie because you can try things even when people tell you, no, you shouldn't try those things, right? Because it might actually work for you where it doesn't work for somebody else. Couldn't agree more. Um, I was told by, by someone very close to me when I started out, cause I actually started out with like an urban fantasy series. It was quite a unique idea. 
um, didn't understand my market, didn't really understand my genre. Um, but this person was like, no, it's really original. You should do that. And I was like, I want to do my Sam Pope, which is very much a British Jack Reacher. That's yeah. how I pitch it. And he was like, yeah, but there's loads of books like that. I was like, yeah, but that's what I want to write. And I've got no one telling me I can't. And I've built a career off of doing that. So, right. um, and, and I actually did do this urban fantasy. I tried to rekindle it when I went full time and the, just the audience wasn't there for it. So, um, like you said, no, there's no rules in place apart from the ones we set upon ourselves. So, yeah, we started off with a really positive thing there, which was what is your favorite thing about, you know, being an independent author and just being an independent, you know, coder and developer. What is your least favorite thing about being an independent creator? That's an easy one. Uh, there's so much to learn and do, right? Um, I, I always tell, because I haven't published in many years, and I've been publishing BookFunnel for eight years, um, being an independent software engineer developer of a, of a company is no different than being an indie author. We're all entrepreneurs. Um, you're all, you're, you're packaging products and you're selling it and you're putting it out there into the world. And that means there's a lot to learn. Um, you know, as an indie author, you know, back in the day when you were TradPub, I mean, really way back in the day, um, you they would just pay you in advance. They would take your book and, and they might put you on a book tour where you go around. That That's just for the young people. That's where they used to like fly you or drive you around to Barnes and Nobles and bookstores and you do signings. Um, but then, you know, somewhere along the way, the traditional publisher stopped investing that money, too. They just so now they give you a really small advance. They put your book out there, but they will do no marketing for you. You're it's it's all on you. And so indies would come along and go, oh, I have to do all this work myself. Maybe I should just go traditional. No, they don't do that either. And so there's so much to learn, you know, authors. And, and yet it is so hard to write that first book for most of us that first book was really really difficult either because you you had imposter syndrome you had lack of confidence whatever it took you got that first book done and and, and if you finish writing it first of all that puts you head and shoulders above every 90 that puts you in the one percent like the 99 percent of people in the world who want who have a book in them and then want to write it will never write it will never finish it so you know congratulate yourselves a little bit if you actually finish the book the problem is now in 2023, 2024, you finish the book and you think your work is done, except that if you actually want to sell that book to people, your journey is just beginning. And so um, I, I would say like the, the, the one thing that I don't like about indie publishing is the same thing that is true for all entrepreneurs, which is you have this great idea, you want to put it out into the world, and there's so many things that you have to learn to successfully get that thing out into the world and get it in front of people who are going to appreciate it. That's it's so hard. And it's something that we actually work really hard at at BookFunnel. We have orientations. We have web. We do weekly webinars. We're trying to teach this stuff because there's so much information out there and we're trying to break it down and like, OK, you can't do a million things at once. None of us have that kind of bandwidth. So start with this thing and then take this next step and then just do one step at a time. The old thing I tell my kids all the time, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. It, it's, it's stupid, but it's true. And this is, a, and indie publishing is a massive elephant, but you can't eat a whole foot, right? You're going to have to start just one bite at a time. Okay, we'll mix it up a little bit here, Damon, as we both ask you about your writing routine. Um, but I'd love yeah. to know, maybe not how you market your books, but just your thoughts on marketing for independent authors in general. So I, I would say the first thing is don't do what I did, which was I published an entire fantasy trilogy and I never 
I never thought about the marketing. It's not that it, there's a lot to learn, right? Marketing is a whole there. There, I mean, people go to school and get PhDs in this stuff, right? So it's it's a massive thing that you have to learn, but you don't. Again, like I was saying, you don't have to do it all at once. Um, so back when I was writing, the reason I built Book Funnel was because I was starting to learn the marketing side. And again, in 2013, none of us knew what we were doing, so we just kind of looked at people were like, "Oh, he's having success. I'll copy him. What's he doing?" Um, but that. That really doesn't work, even for two um, two books in the exact same genre. What he's doing over there or what she's doing over there is not going to work for your book for one reason or another. I'll give you I'll give you a great example. Like you're sitting there and you've written your books and maybe you've got more than one. Right. So we're talking about at the time I had three books. I had a completed trilogy and I thought I really knew um, like I, I had some ideas about how I might get that into the world. But I hate social media. I, I don't like posting on Facebook. I, I, I signed up for a Twitter account. I think I posted one thing and then like never did it again. So if you're following, if you're looking at all the advice that's out there and people are going, man, you just need to like post on Twitter and Facebook all the time, but you're, but you're not going to do that, then that is not the path for you. You should not follow that advice because you're not going to be that person, right? I, I don't know if anyone can tell on this particular uh, podcast, but I am a little bit of an extrovert. Most writers that I meet are not. They uh, Most writers tend to like the fact that they're at home in their pajamas and they're writing behind their little keyboards and nobody can see them and they can just do their thing and they can put their art out into the world. It's one of the great things about being indie. Um, but if somebody is out there, some extrovert like me is out there giving you all this great advice and you're like, I can't do that, then don't do that. Um, so you you need to market the way that works for you. If you're not the kind of person who loves engaging with people on Facebook, don't start a Facebook group and then just let it sit there gathering readers and your readers are going, where is my author? Because these other groups that they're in, their authors are in there chatting with them, talking with them regularly, or at least at the very least answering questions and being a part of it. If you're not going to do that, don't start a Facebook group. No matter what every other author is telling you, their great advice is, is like, oh, you can't have a career without a Facebook group. Bullshit. You absolutely, sorry, I started cursing there. Um, you absolutely can't. You absolutely can't have a career without a Facebook group. You can have a career without a mailing list. It may be harder. You're going to have to figure out other ways to get your books to market and, and, and put them in front of readers. But you're going to have to find the thing that works for you, which is, Go and listen to the advice. Listen to podcasts like this. Go listen to Joanna Penn. Go read what they're saying, but then digest all of that and decide which ones are actually going to work for you because there are a million ways to put your stuff out there and market. Like I know authors who actually have billboards, like, you know, the thing that's on the freeway. Well, you guys are in the UK. Maybe you don't know about all that, but like everywhere here they grow like giant metal ugly trees um like i know authors that have have advertised their books on billboards and found success for that um they're a lot of money and it's a big risk because you don't know who you're targeting but what works for some may not work for you find the thing that works the best for you in my case it was starting to build a mailing list which then led to i needed a reader magnet then led to book funnel and so on and so forth but that was the thing that i felt like I don't want to do Facebook. I don't want to do Twitter. I can send out an email. I, I like talking to people. I wanted to converse with my fans. I just wanted to do it in a limited way. And, and email allows me to get back to them when I want to. There's not as much immediacy as there might be on other social media platforms. Echo that advice of look at what other people are doing 
but don't do what they're doing, like right. to the letter. Um, because like, you, you're absolutely right. What, what's working for someone doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Um, and it kind of goes with what's the, um, the saying, David, that my wife gave me, which kind of, I used to be like so scattered. I used to be like, right, I'm going to write these books to become a full-time author. I'm going to set up this e-commerce store because I just don't want to work for anyone but myself. Oh, also I could make YouTube videos. Also I could do this. And she just went, you you can put your mind to anything, but you can't put your mind to everything. So right. you focus on, like you said, you focus on the one thing that's going to get you there. Then you focus on the next step and the next step. So, I mean, it's fantastic advice there. Um, this will be a very interesting question. Especially because you published over a decade ago, and now you're kind of sort of on the outskirts of publishing, but you're very much within the indie publishing world, is what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset about indie publishing? I think it goes back to marketing, that that it, mm. it is actually really important. Um, I know authors, like I personally have friends who had a book, put it out there, and it just kind of took off like a rocket to, through, through no efforts of their own. They don't know why, but readers found it, they connected with it, and it, and it took off. And that can happen. But again, that's the Wonka golden ticket. And, and you as an indie, you actually have control over some of the aspects of, we can't make readers read our book. We can't make readers find our books, but we can make sure that our books are in front of them so that they can see them when they might see that, that, that it's something that they like. So um, I would say the, the thing that I didn't learn until probably it was too late and it probably tanked my ability to sell, you know, at the time I really wanted, uh, you know, I, I was, uh, I was working as a, as an, uh, I've been a software engineer my whole life. And I will say, I love being an engineer. I, it's, it being an indie software developer is no different than being an indie published author. I get to build what I want to build. Um, I get to put it out. If I have an idea, I sit down, I put my fingers on the keyboard and I start writing code and I make it happen. Right. I don't need someone else's permission. I don't need somebody else to help me get it out there into the world. And so I, I have been indie publishing software for the last eight years as I've been building book funnel, but just like in my indie book career, I learned really early on that nobody's going to know about book funnel if I don't at least put some effort into getting it out there into the world. And so I would say like, that is the thing that, that now new authors that are coming in today are getting this information a lot closer to the, to the book, right? They, they finished their book and back in 2011, it was, well, you finish your book. Now you just throw it up on KDP and wait and people will buy it. Right. And that was actually true. Like back in 2011, you could make a book 99 cents and, and you would get sales through no other efforts other than just Amazon just kind of sending traffic over there. That is not true today. And so every indie author who's just now getting into this game and, and learning and getting their book out there now is, is getting that information firsthand. Okay, great. You've written the book. Now let's talk about how you're going to get that book in front of readers. So that has been the biggest shift that we are actually, as an industry, we talk a lot more about this. One of the things that I say in, in one of the talks that I give about beginner book marketing is that a, a, a great marketer with a bad book will outsell a great book with no marketing every single time. We've all read books that were just absolutely terrible, but man, they were right in front of you when you walked into Barnes and Noble and it sure looked like a good book. And then you go, why did somebody even put this out here? It's terrible. So you can write the great American novel, but if you don't learn the marketing side, even, even a little bit, um, then you're not going to get your book in front of readers. You're not going to 
most authors that I know today, indie authors, want to do this as a career. Like they're getting into this. You have the occasional like, oh, I just wanted to write a memoir about my my time in the you know little league hockey, and that's fine. You can put that memoir out there and you can call it done and say that you accomplished the goal, and that's a that's a laudable goal. But most of the authors that I talk to, the people signing up for Book Funnel, the people I meet at conferences. They want to do this full time. They, they're currently working in their day job. They're writing at night because they want this to be their full time job. And, you know, one of the quotes that I heard way back in the day, uh, way back in the day on the keyboards, you know, was um, if you can stop writing, you should like like if you are the kind of person for whom like the burn to get that story, these stories out of you is just sort of a eh, I could write a book. That sounds like fun. Don't do that. But if you are the kind of person who absolutely cannot stop weaving those stories in your head, then you owe it to yourself to to try and make a go of it. But but you are going to need some to learn a little bit of marketing. Thankfully, there's a ton of information that's out there now that you can learn from that that wasn't back in the day. Um, but you're going to that that I think was the biggest mistake back in the day that a lot of us made. Um, we just didn't fail as hard because it was a little I'll be completely honest. They called it the gold rush days because it really was. We were the first miners out there and you could just like hit a rock and suddenly gold would just blow up in your face. And in 2024, that's that's not the case. But I know more authors today making a full time living, like personally know, than probably there have ever been full time authors making a living in the history of publishing back to Gutenberg right? This is, there has never been a better time on this planet to be an author and putting your works out into the world. You have so many ways that you can get your works out there. It's just going to take a little learning along the way. Listen to this man. This is a very wise man. Uh, Learning is a key part of everything we do. Uh, So question six, and this might be a very obvious answer for you, Damon, but what is the one piece of software you use an independent author that you cannot do without? So at BookFunnel, we actually do uh, publish books. All of most of the staff at BookFunnel are indie published authors. So we are out there. I mean, obviously, you know, the 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 easy answer would be BookFunnel, of course. Um, www.bookfunnel.com. <laughs> yeah, right. I use BookFunnel every day. Our authors, the the authors that work at BookFunnel that are employed in in um, our support team, they publish their books. They use group promos. They have reader magnets. They all of them were BookFunnel customers before they came to work for us. So, like obviously, BookFunnel is the answer. I would say outside of BookFunnel, though, um, it, it's not really a service. But I'm sure you guys know about Vellum. Vellum is is probably. I mean, like I'm a Mac guy. I, I'm an Apple guy. I I really. If you've ever used BookFunnel, we take great, great care to make sure that our stuff works really, really well, is is as clear as it can possibly be. Um, I really care about design, the design of software and things like that. Um, and so for that reason, like as far as things that I use that I absolutely love in the publishing industry, we didn't have Vellum back in the day. We had Scrivener, which did an OK job. And, and I will say Scrivener is a great piece of software for writing the books and it would format a not terrible book. But man, when Vellum came along, I immediately was just like, oh, my God, these books are beautiful, right? We, we, what's indies are putting out better quality books today than the traditional publishers are. If you're using software like Vellum, Atticus is another one that's come along in the last few years. It's, it's a PC app. I'm a Mac guy, although you can use Atticus anywhere. Um, 
the the um, the level of professionalism that has gone into these softwares that now with a push of a button make you look like you're a super professional, right? We used to take and run Word docs through Caliber and come out with like a functional ebook, but nobody would have called it pretty. And now we have tools like Atticus and Vellum that uh, you know are one time, right? So they're they're not cheap because Vellum is like two hundred fifty dollars, and I think Atticus is one hundred fifty dollars, but we used to have to pay formatters $100 a book just to get a book out there um, or get it yourself where you spend hours and hours trying to make it look pretty and you still probably didn't get a good result. And so now with these these amazing tools that you have, you can make books that are absolutely, I, I still read a lot of traditionally published authors and sometimes it's absolutely embarrassing the product that they're putting out into the world. Like you, like you, your company's worth hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe even billions if you're one of the big five. And this is what you're putting out of it. You guys should just spend two fifty and buy a copy of Vellum because you would have knocked it out of the park if it was them. So that's those are my favorite tools of of. Endorse Vellum um, on here. I'm not. I'm not a Mac guy, um, but I I use Mac in Cloud. Yeah, Mac in Cloud is the use... workaround for everybody. Yeah, so then I, I then use that to then get onto Vellum because um, along with BookFunnel, you're probably not surprised to hear Vellum is usually a very popular answer to a, a system or a service that indie authors site cannot be without. So um, I highly agree with that. But, I mean, it's been so wonderful um, to have you on the show, uh, Damon, for this past hour or so. Um picking your brains about book funnel hearing all these incredible um features it has the experiences you've had in the what was it 13 years now in the indie author world or circling the community as a as a developer January, um, so, so it really has been 13 <laughs> years that i've yeah, been 13 like, years steeped in this stuff because I, i'm yeah. the kind of person who when i want to learn something i'm going to go learn everything that i can about it which it's just a good quality, yeah. right? It's it's helped me a lot in my career. But yeah, 13 years since my first book was published and I went, oh, wow, you can really do this. You can actually put books out into the world and and just have people read them. Like, yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of experience inside, uh, inside your cranium. Um, and you've given some fantastic advice across this hour. But before we let you go, Question seven is, what is the one nugget of advice you would pass on to our listeners? Um, finish your book. I, I, I preface all of my talks with this. Finish your book. Um, you are worthy. Um, you don't, you're not an imposter. Um, your book deserves to be out there. And, and if you had an idea because you thought it was good, then it probably is good. And there probably is a reason that you had that. When I published my first book, um, the fantasy world. So again, I read epic fantasy, dragons, wizards, elves, all that sort of stuff. It's it's absolutely, I've loved it since I was a kid. It has always resonated with me. I've, I've played Dungeons and Dragons my whole life. I am the forever dungeon master of my group. We've been playing for 30 years. Like this is my stuff, right? This is my geekery, right? When we're putting, if we're going to put our geek flag out there, that is my geek flag. Um, I wrote my first book, um, which if you want to go pick it up, it, it's not bad. I, it's, it's not great. It was my first book, but, um, it's only, 50, it's only 50,000 words. So if you want to check it out, it's actually, if you like Epic fantasy, I, I think I did a pretty decent job, but the biggest reason that I wrote it was 
um, back in 1994, there was this huge shift in the in the fantasy genre when George R. R. Martin published A Game of Thrones. Um, and this book took fantasy by storm. And uh, if you've ever watched the show on HBO or if you've ever read the book, um, it, it's it's what we eventually came to call grim, dark fantasy, which is to say uh, it's a lot of people murdering people. Um, it, it, there are no heroes. There's no one to root for. Like the characters are deplorable. It, it's just not it's not what I loved about fantasy. Um, when I was a, as, for as long as I had been a fantasy reader, I want heroes and they don't have to be shining white knights of of absolute goodness like there can be gray morally gray areas but at the end of the day i want to know that the hero is going to turn around and do the right thing to save the world or save the girl or whatever it is that's going to be right but when game of thrones took off because this is a pattern we've seen over and over and over and again in traditional publishing people the traditional publishers went oh that's what everybody wants and so they like the whole industry went and shifted and suddenly the only fantasy that was getting published was grim dark fantasy and they lost me for for more than a decade i had no desire to read the new books that were being published in fantasy until the i also had kids along the way and you know i usually read at night when i get in bed and suddenly i would get in bed and like i had no time to read anything but by the time that I did, when I really got back into reading, by that time, this was 2010, the indies had come along and and I found books that I wanted to read again. And I wrote my book because I said, you know what? I know that the whole grimdark thing is still out there and like those are getting lots of sales and people still love that. But I, I don't want that. I want what they eventually came to call noble, bright fantasy. But actually, it's really just fantasy. Um and I was reading, I'd found indie authors and I said, you know what? Not enough people are putting this stuff out there in the world. There's so much grim, dark and fantasy. That's not what I want to read. I'm going to put out the book that I want to read. And I did everything that if you read my books, um, even just one, but even if you read the whole trilogy, you will absolutely take a peek into the brain of Damon Courtney and understand what kind of fantasy that I like to read. And so I would say to all of your audience out there, if you think you have an idea for a book, even if it's like, oh, well, it's it's James Bond, you know, but with whatever, um, whatever idea that you have, if you want to read it and, and you should absolutely write the book that you want to read, if you want to read it, I promise you of the 8.8 .8 billion people on this planet, there are enough readers out there who want what you want. Right. If you've never read steampunk. Like, that's not a thing that should really exist. Somebody came along and like, you know what, Victorian England, but we're going to add like steampunky, like mechanized creatures and all this sort of stuff. And you go, what? Like in, in the time that indies have been around, I have seen cozy mysteries make a comeback. Agatha Christie owned that market. And then traditional publishing said, nobody wants to read that anymore. Everybody wants serial killers. But it turns out there were readers who were like, I don't like serial killers. I don't like gore. I just want a fun mystery. Cozy mysteries came along. And there you go. Then cat cozies came along right cozy mysteries with cats in them and you're like okay i don't i don't read that but maybe we will like that then came cat sleuths where it's a cozy mystery the cat is actually the one solving the mystery and the human is the one just like i'm bumbling around and not doing anything and you're thinking to yourself if you don't read these genres you're thinking to yourself uh, who reads that who's reading about a cat who is actually out there like trolling around with his cat friends and solving the murders. 
but it's out there. And if you go look on Amazon, it's actually a, a genre that you can click out to. Amazon doesn't add a genre if there's not enough readers out there reading it. So whatever think your idea is, whatever book you have in your head and your heart that you want to put out there into the world, put it out there. But the first number of advice, finish the book. You need to finish. Wise advice, sage advice. I'm certain our listeners will have gained so much uh, from your answers, Damon, just like they would gain so much from Book Funnel. It's Damon Courtney, innovator of the independent author world. Thank you so much for giving us your time this afternoon. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I loved it. Thank you, Damon. Two indie authors. David, um, we get a lot of wonderful guests and incredible authors on this show. Um, and it's always an absolute pleasure to talk to all of them and to hear their own journeys. Um, I'd say very rarely do we get a, and this isn't hyperbolic, a pillar of the indie yeah. author world on the show. Um, and it was unbelievable to talk to Damon. Absolutely. I would agree with you there. He, he is a pillar. He has, you know, he's an innovator. He has invented a tool that is, you know, pivotal for how you and I and, and all of our listeners, I would imagine that most of our listeners uh, run their business. So yeah, Damon, is, it's such a pleasure to get him on because he, he, he speaks a hell of a lot of truth about this game. Yeah, 100% he does. And and for me, little fanboy in me, um, it was it was wonderful to speak to him. But again, I will just, you know, I will say it again. A key part of my business of getting, you know, I get to do this full-time for a living. A key part of it is pulling people in, getting them onto my mailing list. And that wouldn't be possible without Book Funnel. That's how yeah. key of a tool um, I actually think it is. So yeah, what a wonderful episode. Um, before I let you go, David, and before we speak again on our next wonderful episode, um, what do you have planned for the next seven days? Um, I'm at the very tail end of my novella, so I'm hoping I will complete its draft one of it by then and then get to the, the redrafting stage and this is a part I like Rob I think we've spoken before I, I like the start of a novel I like the end of a novel it's the middle that I find sludgy and that's my actual work so I'm at the stage now where I open up the laptop and I'm working rather than I'm up yeah. on the laptop and procrastinating um, so I'll be finishing that off hopefully by the time I speak to you next Thursday we're also heading towards the end of a month so I've got admin to do so I, you know, I'll get that um newsletter out that I get out in the first of every month and, and catch up on my accounts. Um, what about you? What have you got over the next week? Um, hopefully just writing. Um, I was saying to you, I was looking at um, having kind of like a little recalibration this, this coming weekend, just take a step back, just kind of reset a little bit there's just a lot going on like in in all aspects of life at the moment so i think just taking a small step back so i can hit the ground running next week is what i'm planning to do and um also i completely forgot to mention it in the beginning of the uh in the beginning of the show the new sales tracker uh for 2024 is now available for our listeners so um if you've had it from last year um it's very much the same thing you put in all your sales data on one page uh pre-2024 um, and it's broken down by book and all that stuff. Um, and then you've got a monthly tracker for 
2024, just to keep on top of um, all your sales data, your audio books, uh, your page reads, all that stuff. So uh, it's www.2indieauthors.co.uk. There's a page on that website that says resources. It's a completely free download. I know a number of our listeners have used it. So um, yeah, go and check that out. And hopefully by the time um, I speak to you next week, David, many people would have downloaded it. So I will speak to you then. See you then. Dum dum dum